So what's up, City Church? How you guys doing? Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. I'm excited to be here. It's the middle of summer. It's been a little bit of a hot one, but the monsoons came through. This week, the, um, the rain was blowing, and the wind was, the rain was coming, the wind was blowing, and uh, my neighborhood is like covered in mud, and there's like bits of tree all over everything in the neighborhood. Do you guys see that in your neighborhood? They're, like it's just the landscaping, it's just taken a beating from the monsoon. But because we live in the desert, uh, we love the rain regardless of how it comes. It can come in sheets, it can come in buckets, it can come in sprinkles. If it rains, I'm into it. I'm into it. Well, good morning. My name is Matt Williams. If you are visiting with us, uh, my wife and I, we're the lead pastors here at City Church, and, uh, and I'd love to get to know you, and, uh, and so I'll actually be hanging out in the lobby afterwards if you want to chat. Uh, and also, uh, for all those who are here every week, I'm always so glad to see you every week from week to week. It's not that you're lesser than a visitor, but you guys come and talk to me all the time, so... If you're new, I just want you to know that I'm available to chat. We also know this, that people will watch a message or two online before they come in. So I want to say hi to all y'all watching on, all y'all. Am I from Texas? Oh, no, I got Texan on you, didn't I? <laughs> There's like four of you like that. He just got saved. All y'all online, all y'all online. That's right, that's right. So I'd love to meet you in person at some point as well, at some point as well. You know, today I want to start off by telling you a story, by telling you a story. And uh, in 1888, a guy named Alfred woke up and found his obituary printed in the newspaper. Now, his brother had died, but they got it wrong, and they thought that Alfred had died. And so they saw, they, so they wrote an obituary for Alfred. Now, now, you and I, we don't get the privilege well, maybe you do, but, but we don't get the privilege of reading our own obituary uh, in the paper while we're still alive. So he read this obituary and, and immediately thought, is this really what people think of me? Is this really what people think of me? And, and so he was, um, Alfred was the inventor of dynamite. And they called him the dynamite king, the dynamite king. He was a, it said in this obituary that he was a great industrialist who had made an immense fortune from explosives. This was a summary of his life. He was remembered as a merchant of destruction and death. I know. Yeah, that's a pretty rough one, isn't it? Alfred was definitely concerned. Thought, boy, I don't really want that to be my reputation and my legacy. And so he read the obituary in horror, and he resolved to make clear to the world his positive impact. So he changed his will. He changed the way his finances were managed. He redirected everything. He changed everything about his entire life and dedicated the last years of his life and all of his fortune into his next project. And he decided that he was going to reward people who were making innovations into our world. And so he set everything into this place and, and he said he had prizes that were set up and he endowed five annual prizes for outstanding contributions in physics, in chemistry, in medicine, literature, and finally, contributions towards world peace, so he wouldn't be known as the guy of destruction and death. Because, so the result of the most valuable prizes was given to those who had done the most for the cause of world peace. Because Alfred Nobel, the merchant of destruction and death, faced his own mortality and legacy, we have the Nobel Peace Prize today. Because he was confronted with what his legacy would have been. Listen, today, we're going to be talking about death. And I, I know, whoa, okay, listen, he, and hear me out, because this is something that I don't wake up in the morning and think, 
what should we talk about at church this week? Like, I don't get up on Monday and say, you know what we should talk about on Sunday? is death. It's one of those things that we don't typically cover on a regular basis. But in this series that we're in right now, we're going through the book of Hebrews chapter by chapter by chapter. And when a topic comes up, we're going to talk about it as we're going through the the book of Hebrews. Going through a book of the Bible like this, um, it provides something. It provides something kind of unique is that we get to talk about things that we wouldn't naturally talk about. There's parts of the Bible, I got to be honest, even as a pastor, there's parts of the Bible that I wish weren't there. They're kind of hard to talk about. They're things that you don't really want to discuss about or think about or or really process. But but today we're going to be talking about death. And so there was a young girl uh, who was up on her grandfather's lap and, and he, she climbs up and she says, Grandpa, can you make the sound of a rabbit? And he's like, no. Can you make the sound of a, of a giraffe? No. Can you make the sound of a frog? Oh, I got that one. Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Kid jumps off grandpa's lap, r- lap runs into the kitchen, says, Mom, Mom, we're going to Disney World. And, and, uh, and mom was like, what do you mean? He's like, you, you said when grandpa croaked, we can go to Disney World. People are dying all the time. In fact, people are dying to get out of this world, aren't they? People are always dying. It's just a matter of fact that everyone here, you will die at some point in time in your life. Some of us work out a lot or we eat extra healthy, but guess what? It doesn't matter what you do to take care of your body, you're going to die. We put the best efforts into doing the right things to extend our life and the quality of life. But listen, we have a time that's coming. Everyone here, we have a time that's coming in life. And it doesn't matter how prepared you think you may be for it, you're never fully prepared for when that day comes. In fact, if you look around the world, because I I like to research data and analytics, and I'm a nerd, every every hour, 5,417 people die on the planet. Every hour. That means 90 people die a minute, which means by the time my sermon is done today... Over 3,000 people will have died. I've read that and thought, well, I guess I'm killing it. Yeah. Listen, this is, imp- <laughs> this is important. Because, you know, listen to this. Sometimes we get so focused on the moment of our life, we, stop to, we don't pause to take a step back and think for a moment, what does our life look like in the big picture? Sometimes we, 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 do, we get caught up in, in today and tomorrow and we don't think about not next week. We don't think about next month or next year. We don't think about the, the eternity of what life is. In fact, if you read the Bible, you see all through Scripture, it talks about that there is a life after this life. That there is an eternity that comes after this life on earth. So many times we get wrapped up making sure that we have our T's crossed and our I's dotted between this time and this time and and making sure the little section that is our life today is managed and taken care of. But are we taking into account what it looks like in light of eternity? Because so many times we fight and squabble and we get bent out of shape and we get frustrated and confused and, and torn up inside over something that is such a minor thing in light of the eternity that we will be living. This is important. So today we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 9. In Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. I wasn't sure if I should talk about death and make jokes or if I should talk about death and be serious. So I hope you're okay with my humor this morning. Kind of dark, isn't it? Okay. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 23 
says this, Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Okay, stop. That, that, that's kind of a, a weird place to jump into the, to the verses, isn't it? You're kind of like, what in the world is he talking about? Thus it was necessary. So we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, and so I want to help get us caught up to where we're at. So last week, we discussed how the old way versus the new way. We talked about how there was an, what they called an old covenant in the Bible versus the new covenant in the Bible, and how it, it's not that Jesus showed up and just abolished everything that was in the past, but he added on to it. He expanded, he built, he improved upon the old covenant covenant. And the old way of doing things was, was very different. Now, we talked about how there was a sin. There was things that you and I do that separate ourselves from, from God. And so in the Old Testament, the way to atone that, the way to pay that, the way to build the bridge was that mankind would actually take animals and sacrifice them, which in our culture seems really weird and sadistic and twisted. I suggested that my cat would make a great sacrifice um, because I didn't really like the cat. But, but so we, we have the animals that, that we would sacrifice and the blood would cover the, the, the gap between where we were and where God was. But you see, that was not a perfect way. And we were constantly going back into this having to sacrifice the animals. And there was a, a, a thing that we were going through. And so why the blood sacrifice was necessary in the past, but see, it's no longer necessary today because Jesus came down from heaven to earth and he paid the price. So he shed his blood to build, to be the covering for us. And so that's why when Jesus, and, and I don't have time to recap everything from last week, but last week we talked about that's why Jesus, with his blood sacrifice, he eliminated all the blood sacrifices necessary because he was the perfect son of God, the sinless person that came from heaven to earth, fully God, fully man. He died and paid the price. And so the old way is gone and the new way is on. And, and Jesus is greater than the old way. Okay, verse 24, for Christ has entered not only, not into Sorry, for Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What was once a common recurrence of having to go back every year and to make a sacrifice to cover the sins that you just had over the last 12 months, Jesus came from heaven to earth, and in one fell swoop, he did something. He paid the price for all of humanity, past, present, and future. And so when Jesus paid that, he doesn't have to keep dying and going back and shedding his blood every year like it used to be. And so he now pays that price for what we have in our life. And because Jesus was sinless, he was able to offer himself once as a sacrifice and for all of humanity. You know, if you look at the Bible, people say, man, there's a lot of blood. Like, why are we killing things and burning things? This seems like Here's the thing when you read the Bible, the Bible is actually a reconciliation story. It's a reconciliation story. Sometimes people will read the Bible and they'll think, man, God seems angry. And no, he's not angry. In fact, if you look, God created man, he created Adam and Eve, and his purpose and intention was that they would not die and that they would be in relationship from the very beginning. 
He was creating man to be in relationship with him. But then Adam did this thing and, and Eve did this thing and they ate an apple and kind of a classic story. And they had sin entered into humanity. In fact, humanity has now had sin in it for a while. It's almost like a disease, if you will. Sometimes we, we look at a cold in someone's body and we say, oh, you have the flu. But how do you know they have the flu? Well, they got a runny nose, they have a fever, their, their tummy is a little you know, upset, and maybe that's leading to other uh, things. And, and so you know the symptoms of the, of the flu, but the flu is the actual problem that's going on inside of your body. Listen, we were all born with sin inside of us, and it manifests in different ways. It comes out, and the symptoms of sin come out of us in different ways as we see through it. Sometimes, now, this isn't in my notes, my dad used to say that that's free. So... If it's, not, if it's not in the notes. So it's not in my notes. But listen, he, sometimes we want to look at our symptoms and justify them. And we look at somebody else's symptoms and we want to condemn them. And that's not what the Bible says. That that's our temptation as human beings. Is that the sin that I don't struggle with is the worst sin. The sin that I struggle with, well, you know, I'm working through it. You know, I, I'm praising God. God's got, me, got grace for me for working through what I'm working through. Listen, God has grace for everyone to work through what they're working through. Sometimes we just don't understand somebody else's symptoms. We don't, we don't condemn them. We, don't, we just say, hey, listen, listen, I understand the root issue is that there is a sin nature inside of every single one of us that wants to do those things that we know we ought not to be doing. And so when we point people to Jesus and say the solution is not trying to stop the runny nose, the solution is trying to address the sin at its root issue, which is a heart issue. And so we go to Jesus and we find the solution for what the sin is inside of our life. Is that you guys picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, so, so there's this sin thing. So Adam sinned, brought sin into the world, and we were infected with sin and born with it. The rest of the book, the rest of the book of the Bible is a restoration story about how God is trying to restore the relationship with humanity. And there's trials and errors and trials and errors. And, and surprisingly enough, humanity keeps screwing things up occasionally. And, and they keep doing things that, that break things. And, and so then eventually it gets to the place where he says, well, I, I, I can't get humanity to build the bridge back to God. They keep messing it up. So now I, as God, God sent his son, Jesus, down to earth. He said, if I send my son, who is perfect and sinless, down to earth, maybe he can build the bridge for humanity to have reconciliation with God. Every other religion in the entire world, every other spiritual path in the entire world is all about how we as human beings are trying to build a bridge to get back to God. They call it the divine or energy or universe. Or, but ultimately it comes back to what I'm trying to do. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to do more of this thing and less of that thing. And hopefully when, when the day comes where I do die, um, the divine or, or whoever the supernatural being is that, that people will claim to be out there, they, they will say, well, hopefully I've done enough that, that I get close enough that, that maybe I can reach and maybe I can go. But see, that's the difference between biblical Christianity and every other religion in the world. You see, in biblical Christianity, Jesus is the Son of God, and he came from heaven down to our place, and he built the bridge for us to get back to him. You don't have to build the bridge. That's the good news. The bridge has already been built. The only thing that we have to do is say yes and take a step of faith and walk across that bridge. The Bible is a reconciliation story. And so the rest of the book is God making a way for us to be back in right relationship with him. Jesus was dying, dying on the cross, was paying for the sins of humanity. It was building the bridge from God to us. Verse 27, 
Verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Who are eagerly waiting for him. Okay, I've got four points this morning. If you are a note-taking type, you can, I got four points. And so point number one is this, is that everyone dies. I know, I can, well, <laughs> it is true though, right? We, we all die, everyone dies. This is a universal truth that, that everybody on this planet can agree on. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you are, are spiritual or not, everyone dies. None of us get out of here alive. In fact, I got to say that the older I get, I feel like time is accelerating. Like it's getting faster and faster. The young people are kind of looking at me sideways. The, the, uh, the awesome people are like, yeah, that's right. I, I feel you, right? It's like I'm accelerating into the grave. And I'm still in my 30s, and I'm hanging on to that. I have at least another three weeks, four weeks. But I'm hanging on. I'm still in my 30s. Yeah, that's right. I'm still in my 30s. I'm hanging on. And so I, that's going to be like next three weeks. That's all you're going to hear from me now. Because I'm still in my 30s. And so, you know, as a 30-something, life is still great. So as we're moving through, right? So I'm still in my 30s. And so we're moving through. Life gets faster and faster and faster. You know, the age doesn't matter when you might die. You can go at any time, but everyone dies. Death is a part of life. In fact, someone did the research and determined that your chances of death are right near 100%. I heard a quote that said this, and, and I forget where I saw it. It says, well, I have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth, and my foot on earth is firmly planted on a banana peel. Everyone dies. It's funny because, you know, death was not in God's original design. God breathed the breath of life, but sin entered the world and caused death. In fact, in Romans, it talks a lot about how death entered the world and how sin caused it and how it got into humanity. In Romans 5, it says, by, by one man, sin entered the world. And in Romans 6, it says that the wages of sin is death. The punishment for sin is death. You see, death is an intruder. It always comes before we're ready. Very few people are ready when death comes. I, I think all of us imagine the day when that comes is that, man, you know what I really want to do? Is like have a great feast with my family. Everybody's healthy and happy. No fighting. I go to bed that night and I just pass away in my sleep. And I, and I wake up and I'm in heaven and there's clouds and angels and oh, like, like that's the, 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 but that isn't typically how it goes. Like I'm comfortable with dying. In fact, I think it was Woody Allen who said, I'm comfortable with dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> Death is an intruder. You know, it comes before we're ready sometimes. In fact, we all know that we're going to die but when you see it happen in unusual ways, it shocks us. When you see a terrorist attack and a group of people die, it shocks us. There was a, a boating accident on a lake in Missouri a couple weeks ago. And, and like, I think it was 17 people died on this boat. And it shocks us. We're like, oh man, that, like, that's just terrible. How could that possibly happen? But we all die. I mean, eventually, right? 
We all die. The 17 people in the boat were going to die someday. It just happened a little faster or maybe in a larger bulk than what we were planning on or what they were planning on. I heard the story about a man who went to the doctor. The doctor is looking through the charts and he's been very sick. The doctor says, oh man, I've got some really bad news and I've got yet even worse news. Which one do you want to hear first? And he's like, well, you know, they sound really bad. I guess I'll just start, start me off on the shallow end and let's work to the deep end. And I said, well, the really, really bad news is, is that this disease you have is extremely aggressive and based on our medical research, it looks like you have maybe 24 hours to live. It's like, whoa, okay. So what's the worst news? He's like, well, I got busy and I forgot to call you yesterday. <laughs> Everyone dies. It also says that everyone dies once. Right there in verse 27, it says that everyone dies once. You don't die multiple times. I mean, maybe you like almost die and they, you know, clear, zap you and you kind of come back. But, but, but maybe you, you didn't fully die at that point. You, everybody's going to die and, and everybody dies once. You know, about a fourth of the world's population believes in, in reincarnation. They believe that. You don't die once, you just come back as a different life form. If you were not so great, maybe a cockroach. If you were, you know, exceptionally good, maybe you come back as a wealthy businessman or something. I, I don't really know how the rankings work in, in, in reincarnation and the different faith paths. But they, they basically, reincarnation would teach that your soul gets recycled from one form to another bodily form. You know, I really don't like that idea because I don't want to come back. Like, you guys are nice and all, but my kids are out of diapers. I don't really want to go through that season again. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to change diapers. Middle school was terrible, wasn't it? Like, like, middle school, I'm like, man, I don't know if I really want to come back. In fact, they did some research, and they, in 2009, a Pew Research poll said that 25% of Americans believe in reincarnation. About 25%. So it kind of lines up in the, with the world religion. But in that same research document, it said that 24% of Christians believe in reincarnation too. Um, that's not in the Bible. The, the Bible doesn't teach that we come back as a different life form to try to earn a higher rank or like there's not a recycling of your soul into a different creature of some sort. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. In fact, it says that you live, you live once. And you die once. But you know what I've discovered is this, is that there's a difference between reincarnation as it's taught in the Eastern religions and reincarnation as it's taught in our Western culture. Here, we, we call it karma, right? Like, oh, what comes around goes around. If you, you know, karma is this thing that is like on a Western thing. People look at it in a different angle than they do on like an Eastern perspective. See, when karma, where karma is really at, is see, they look at it almost like a prison, like a trap. Which means this, if you're suffering, nobody wants to help you because you earned that suffering from your previous life. And if they were to relieve that suffering from you, 
by giving you a meal or helping you out or giving you a, a hand up, they would be defeating the purpose of the karma that you have earned in your life. It's an oppression system that keeps people oppressed. In fact, they also believe that, that karma is one of those things that if you were to enable that person, their bad karma might rub off on you and you might come back as like a cockroach next time around because you helped somebody else who was down in this thing. The Eastern, the original view of karma and Eastern view of that is so different than what we look at it in our country. In our country, people think of it as like an upgrade. They think of it as like an opportunity for uh, enlightenment and for, for lifting up, right? They go, oh, it's, a, it's an opportunity for self-fulfillment. I'm going to give away good stuff so that I can get good stuff. It's a, it's a karma cycle. That, but listen, karma at its root cause is a very oppressive, oppressive teaching that you see. The Bible does not ever speak of a second life on earth. In fact, if anything, it highlights the shortness of the life that we do have. In the book of James, it talks about how our life on earth is a mist. It is a vapor. Set your squirt bottle to mist, spray it, spray, gone. That's your life. Your life on earth is short. It, it is a very tiny glimpse into who you are. In fact, if you look, you see Jesus dying on the cross. And, and when you look at, at the story of Jesus dying on the cross, he's surrounded by two sinners. He has one on either side of him. And, and one of them is saying, take me to paradise with you. Like, I'm putting my faith in you. You are the son of God. And Jesus, not hanging on the cross, didn't say, he didn't, he didn't look back and say, well, okay, I'm going to bring you back as a hedgehog. <laughs> and if you do a good job as a hedgehog, you might get upgraded to maybe like a donkey. And if you do a good job as a donkey, then, then, you know, give it a few lifetimes and you'll eventually get back to the human status. And when you get to humans, then if you're good enough and you behave, you know, behave the right way, then I might let you in to heaven. You see, the, what Jesus did on the cross built the bridge for all of us. Even the one who was being crucified next to him, who had committed some sort of crime that was punishable by public execution. He had done something terrible. And Jesus said, you will go to heaven with me today. My third point is this, is that everyone dies at the appointed time. This verse in 27 would say that there is a, an appointment. It says, just as it is, verse 27 says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. You have an appointment. There is a destiny. There is a, a time reserved for you. And you don't know what it is. Are you one of those people that shows up early everywhere that you go? My dad used to tell me, if you're not five minutes early, you're late. And so now I really like being early, and I think that's why. There's those people that are constantly late as well, right? They're always just five minutes behind where they're supposed to be. Just, just, a, just a click behind. They're just always just a little. Listen, you have an appointment and you won't go early and you won't go late. You will be right on time. You see, God has a date ready for you, an appointment with God. You see, God is sovereign in all matters in life and death. And I got to tell you that, that human pride hates the idea of the sovereignty of God. Our, our human pride hates, like, I want to feel like I have some control over this. Like, 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 am I just a puppet? Like, like, I literally have no direction on this? Human pride hates the idea that if, 
that God rules and runs everything. So does it mean that my fate is sealed? Well, from God's perspective, yeah. From your perspective, well, think about it. You had a choice to be physically healthy or not, and maybe, you're, maybe there, you didn't take care of your body and, and, and then it wore out quicker. Drug addiction or addiction of some sort of substance can wear you out quicker, maybe end your life sooner. There's people who will commit suicide and, and they make decisions in their life to end their life sooner. Sometimes we can look at these scenarios, especially when death is involved, because we don't understand the full picture of it all. And we say, I don't understand. Like, God, why? Why did you take the 17 people on the boat? Why did you do this? Why did that? Why did you let that happen? Why does a good God let bad things happen? See, if God is sovereign, how can these tragedies occur? Pick your tragedy. Because everyone dies. Nothing happened to them that wasn't already going to happen. It may have been different than maybe we would have chosen it to be. But something's going to take us. 100% of people die and Nothing can raise or reduce that rate. Nothing can change that. If the band would come, I'm going to be closing now. I'm going to be honest that I don't understand everything about God's decisions. I'm not him. You know, there's, there's times where I, I look and I say, God, why, why did that even happen? God, why did you let that happen? I mean, I believe that God's in control. I don't understand why would this bad thing happen. And every time that I look and I, and I see that death happens in a way that I just don't understand, it doesn't make sense. It may impact you on a deep level or you might see it from a distance and under, just have lots of questions that go into that. Like, I don't understand. Here's what I can tell you is that, is that God is in control. And that God is in charge. And, and, and if I could understand the inner workings of God on every single level, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be somebody that I could worship. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not going to worship something that's the same as me. I'm not going to worship something that is equal or smaller to me. I'm only going to worship something that is greater than I am. If the infinite God can fit in my finite mind and my finite understanding, then he's not God. And I'm not going to worship him. There are things about God that I do not understand. And there are things about God that you do not understand. And listen, we don't worship God because we understand every single aspect of everything that happens in this world. We worship God because he's God. We put our faith in him because he has reached out to us. We put our faith in Jesus because he takes care of us and our soul. We don't understand everything that happens in the timeline of where we are at today. But in light of eternity, I choose to put my faith in Jesus. I choose to put my trust in God because I know that he is bigger than I am. And his perspective is different than mine. God's ways, they are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Things about him are so much bigger than me that... that I must worship this almighty God. And the last part of this verse, it says that everyone who dies will be evaluated after death. I got to tell you, this is probably the hardest part of the verse. The first three parts, okay, yeah, everyone dies. Okay, maybe God has an appointment for me. You die once. Most people believe that, actually. All across the globe, the majority of people understand that. And comprehend those things are people can they comprehend, but but this is the one that is slightly offensive. Everyone who dies will be evaluated after death. 
So after this comes judgment. You only live once. The philosophy of the secularist. You know that 80% of Americans believe that there is a life after death? 80%. But in other countries, when you start to travel the world, nearly 100% of people in the world believe that there is some sort of life after death. There's something inside of us as humanity that we know that there's something bigger out there. We know that there's, there's something out there that is bigger than where we're at. There's something that's just intrinsic to who we are. And I'm telling you that, that God is it. It's what you're looking for. It's the thing that you know that is pulling on your heartstrings. Everyone dies and we're gonna be evaluated after death. You see, everyone is a sinner. Me and you, we're, we're sinners. Both by birth and by our activities. Every one of us here have made decisions that we know were wrong. And we have to pay for our sins. Church, this is why Jesus is the good news. This is, this is why Jesus is the good news. You see, you've, you've committed the, the sin. You, you stand before God on judgment day and the list of what your sins have been is held up against you and they say, this is the missteps that have happened in your life. These are decisions that you've made. These things, and, and you know, and God knows, and you're all standing there going, yep, 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 yep. Those things happened. Yeah, I did them. Yeah. So here's the bill. And as, as God says, this is the punishment, this is the consequence, this is the bill for what you've done wrong. As you reach to your pockets and realize that there is no way that you can ever come up with the payment necessary for the infractions that you've done in this life, Jesus stands up and says, listen, he's one of ours. He put his faith in us. And, and although he, he doesn't have it, guess what? I paid that bill for him already. That's the good news of who Jesus is. Jesus died. He took the sin of the world upon himself. And in verse 28, it says that Christ was offered once to cover all sin. This is why Jesus is better than the old way. This is why Jesus is greater than death. Jesus didn't sin, but he took our judgment and paid for it. Now you might be here this morning and, and maybe you've never heard what I just said, or maybe you've heard it before and you've just questioned it. Or maybe at one point in your life, you said, yeah, I put my faith in Jesus. I was walking with him, but I've fallen away. Today can be the day where you make that change. You say, you know what? Today I make the decision to follow Jesus. Today is the day where I accept the free gift that he's already given me. He's built the bridge, the path for reconciliation between where I am and where God is. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do it. In fact, I know that I can't earn it. Today can be the day where you say, I choose to put my faith in in Jesus. During the Spanish-American War, Clara Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. One day, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt came to her, wanted to buy food for his sick and wounded Rough Riders, but she refused to sell him anything. And Roosevelt is offended. Is my money not good enough? I'll pay you double. My guys are sick. They're hungry, they're tired. You have piles of food. You're the Red Cross, you have piles of food. Please let me buy the food for my men. She refused, she refused, she refused. He's frustrated, he walks away. He's like, I don't understand. And, and a guy comes over and puts his arm around him and says, sir, if you just ask, she'll give it to you. It's not for sale. 
you can't buy this food. It is here for the express purpose of being given to those who are in need. Just ask for it. A smile broke across Roosevelt's face. And now, now he understood. The provisions were not for sale. All he had to do was ask and they would be given freely. Listen, the price has already been paid in your life. The price has already been paid. The stockpiles are sitting there. And as you're asking God to buy your salvation and try to earn what you, what you can't even pay, take care of, God is saying, I'm, I'm not gonna take your payment. I'm not gonna take your form of, of performance in order to get salvation. It is here and it is a free gift. If you ask and you receive it, that's it. It's free, it's free. We all have an appointment with God. Will you guys bow your heads as we pray? Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for the good work that you've done for us. God, I thank you that what you did on the cross paid the price for our sin. God, we all have an appointment with you. We all have an appointment with you. In fact, some of us here today, you have an, you have an appointment with God right here, right now. And it may not be an appointment of death, but it's an appointment with God right now. And I don't want you to miss the moment because I believe that God is calling you right here, right now to make a decision to follow Jesus. He's pulling at the heartstrings. He's pulling at your insides and you know that this is what has been tugging on you. Talking about death, it's so heavy. God, I just pray right now for all of us here, God, that, that if we were to die today, that we would see you we would, we would come into your presence, God, that we would know that our eternity is held fast in your hands. Today's a day where you can make the decision to put your faith in Jesus. Is that everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but, but if you are here today and you want to make that decision, you say, I've walked away from the Lord and I need to come back. Or, or maybe, you, maybe you said, I've, I've never accepted what Christ has done for me, but today I want to make the decision to accept Christ. I want to help you. I want to give you a resource. I want to pray with you. If you're saying that today, will you, will you just look at me and slip your hand in the air? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for those that are making decisions for you today. God, I pray that, that as, as we make decisions to follow you, God, as we, as we make a decision to accept your free gift, God, I pray that we would find rest, that we would find comfort in knowing that you are here for us both in this life and the next one. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, our prayer teams are gonna be available on both sides of the room if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever. But will you stand with me one last time and sing one last song before we leave? By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat.